Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, church. Uh, Pastor Frank and Teresa are with us right now. We got to stand up. We just give it up for them. We love them so much. We love them so much. So uh, we are going to make sure to celebrate Pastor Frank really well on Celebration Sunday. We're going to celebrate a number of things. We're going to celebrate what God did in 2021, look forward to what God's going to do in 2022, celebrate this new partnership with Frank. Teresa is staying on staff, so when you call our church office, you're still going to hear Teresa answer that phone, okay? So she'll still be around, uh, but, but we're super excited for them. I'm super excited for Frank, and like I said in the video, we've been talking all along, okay? So this, is not, this was not a surprise to, to me at all. From day one, Frank, had been, he'd been coming to my office. We talked together. We prayed together. I go to his office. We talked together, pray together. And uh, yeah, last Sunday he was voted in. He accepted the call. And so he's going to start February 1st, just around the corner. Now, one cool thing is uh, Frank can't get rid of us because his house is right there. So He's not getting rid of us. We're not getting rid of him. We're still going to be partnering in ministry moving forward. So just want you guys to know about that. Mark your calendars for January 31st. Uh, good morning. Welcome. My name is Ricky Hemi. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. If you're new with us this morning, I want to remind you again to fill out one of those Connect cards. You could use the Church Center app. You could fill one out under, uh, under your seat there. We have a gift for you. We're grateful that you're worshiping with us this morning. And uh, I came in uh, and I, I noticed that uh, Marcus was trying to get people to recite their memory verses. We didn't get a single person up here. And uh, you know what's crazy? I know you guys are doing your verses. So uh, maybe it's just the lights, it's the stage. But here's the thing. I'm not giving up, all right? So next week, I'm going to come up here with Marcus with the in and out cards and get some folks up here saying those verses. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 was this week's passage. John 3, 16 through 17 was last week's passage. I don't remember what's coming up uh, this week, but we'll post it online. So memorize, memorize, memorize. Become a living Bible. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That was this week's passage. You guys got this. Let's keep doing it into the new year. Now, uh, we are in a new sermon series. Parables, little stories, big truths. Pastor Frank kicked it off for us. He did an amazing job. Pastor Seth continued the series last week. You're going to hear from uh, Pastor Jonathan Mondrag and our next-gen pastor. He's going to be preaching next week. And, and one thing that you're going to see throughout this series is that Jesus loved telling stories. Jesus was famous for using short stories, relatable stories, everyday common kind of stories to help heighten our understanding of God. Okay, parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. But parables, if you've studied parables or you're reading parables in your Bible, you're going to notice parables are also puzzles. Any of you guys like doing puzzles? My daughter has this thing for puzzles right now. So my, my daughter, she loves using her brain. She's a, she's a really smart girl, loves to think, is always analyzing, always asking questions. Lately, she's had this thing for puzzles. She's doing puzzles on iPads. She's always thinking about 
puzzles. She likes to use her brain. She likes to think. Well, parables are meant to make you think. Jesus often said this at the end of a parable or before a parable. He said, he who has ears, let him hear. It's up there somewhere. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, it's on my screen. He who has ears, let him hear. And the reason Jesus would say that is because just because you heard the parable doesn't mean you actually understood the parable. If just because you're listening to the word or you were even sitting at Jesus' feet hearing him give the parable in real life doesn't mean you actually understood the parable. You see, parables, they either reveal the truth in your life or they conceal the truth in your life. And so Jesus challenges us with parables to actually think, to actually wrestle, to actually pause, to actually let God's word go from here down into here. Today's parable is the Good Samaritan. Go ahead and turn with me to Luke 10, starting in verse 25, the Good Samaritan. I'm going to pray and we'll jump into it. Father God, I thank you for today. Thank you for Pastor Frank. I thank you for Teresa. I thank you for this church and the chance that we're going to have in a few weeks to celebrate uh, Frank, to celebrate your work uh, in Lemoore, your work here at South Valley. We also recognize, Lord, that today is a Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And Lord, we, uh, we honor life. I thank you for mommies. I thank you for daddies. I thank you for children in the womb. And I just pray your protection, God. We, we we're so grateful for life. What a, what a precious gift you have given us. And I pray that we would protect life and honor life and, and love life. We also know that Monday, tomorrow, is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And so, God, I just I pray, Lord, that his legacy would continue to be alive, that we'd remember the importance of equality, the importance of justice. This, this man who was a pastor, who loved you, who was also an activist, who loved his country. And, and, Lord, I just pray that we would learn whatever lessons that you have for us, so many lessons that we can learn through this weekend. So we lift these things up to you. I thank you for this church, and be with us this morning. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. Any of you guys remember taking health class in high school or maybe in college? I remember going to college and taking health class, and I had a teacher named Mr. B. And Mr. B, he was really good at teaching health class, so good that uh, I actually got out of his class wanting to be a physical trainer. I, I, he was always talking about what you put in your body. He'd teach you kinesiology, how you used your body. I really loved his class. But what's so interesting about Mr. B, everybody knew this about him, and, and he was not ashamed of it. Mr. B would teach you what to do with your body, teach you how to use your body, teach you what to put in your body, but he would not do any of it. <laughs> None of it. And he was not ashamed. He'd be, his, his message was, do as I say, not as I do. Now, I used to struggle with that. I always loved Mr. B, but I was always like, Mr. B, you got all this good stuff to say. Show us it, model it, make it a part of your life. And then I realize, especially as a parent, I realize that we are all a little like Mr. B. We all struggle in different ways to actually practice the things that we preach. And if you're a parent, then you really know this to be true. We're telling our kids things like, hey, don't eat too much sugar while we're, our spoon is in superior dairy all day long. <laughs> or maybe that's just me. Or we're telling our kids things like, hey, too much video games, too much screen time, it's going to rot your brain while we're scanning through Instagram as we talk to them. Or we tell our kids, hey, don't use that word. 
And then they watch Spider-Man and they hear that word and they're like, wait, Spider-Man says that word? Is that a good, uh, uncle so-and-so says that word? Okay, maybe that's, maybe that's only happened to me. But oftentimes in parenting, our message, and this is not good, this is not good. This were us parents where we have to model things for our kids because sometimes as parents, our message is do as I say, not as I do. And our kids see right through that, Right? They know when our talk does not match our walk. Okay, they keep us honest. Well, the story of the Good Samaritan is about syncing up your talk and your walk. It's about doing what you actually say you believe. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a warning against hypocrisy, a warning against Hypocrisy. So let's go ahead and read it. Luke 10, starting in verse 25. This is what it says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer said to him, or Jesus said to him, Yeah, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you'll live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who exactly is my neighbor? So the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan is a parable that's birthed out of a debate between Jesus and a lawyer. Now, lawyers in the Old Test or in the New Testament, in, the, in this passage here, they were religious experts who studied Old Testament law and interpreted that law for the people. That was the, the ancient lawyer. They studied the Bible and interpreted the Bible. It was a noble occupation, except that over time, people became more concerned about information than transformation. People came, became more concerned about teaching rather than actually doing. And this particular lawyer was so confident in his Bible knowledge that he thought he could actually stump Jesus. He's with his friends and he's like, watch this, I'm going to trap Jesus. And so he approaches Jesus with a question in an attempt to show that he knows better than Jesus to actually stump Jesus and trap Jesus and pull people away from Jesus and back to the lawyers and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and that whole crew. And so, so this, the first point that we learn here in this passage is this. Hypocrites think they know more than Jesus. Hypocrites genuinely believe that they know more than Jesus. That they are better than Jesus. That their understanding is higher than Jesus's. That they are better than others. That they hold the true knowledge of Everything and everybody else is wrong and they don't understand it. And if only way they would open their Bibles and see it the way they, that's, that is what a hypocrite is. And that is exactly what this lawyer was. A hypocrite who thought he knew more than Jesus. And his question for Jesus was very simple. What was his question? He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That was his question. And Jesus being brilliant. Okay, when you're in a debate with somebody, the best thing to do when they ask you a question is to do What? Answer the question with a what? Another question. Yes, you guys have taken debate. So he answers the question with another question. What do you, what do you see in the Bible? What, what does the Bible say? And so then the lawyer, he's like, oh man, okay, I better know. Uh, now I got to show my knowledge. Here we go. And so he gives this answer. 
The lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus steps back and he's like, wow, you nailed it. You've clearly been in Awana since you were a child. You clearly went to every Sunday service. You clearly went to seminary. You know all the answers. You perfectly nailed what the, the, the summary of the Bible is all about. Okay? He, he summarized the entire Old Testament, and he, and he, he did it perfectly. Okay? He said the same words that Jesus went on to say in Matthew. Jesus did the same summary for the meaning of the Bible and for the purpose of the law and, 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 and for salvation. Okay? He, he summarized it perfectly. Okay? This, this message comes from the Old Testament, so this is nothing new to the New Testament. Look at this Leviticus passage. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? That wasn't new to Jesus or to the lawyer. That was in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Okay? This is the Shema. Everybody knew this. This was part of the Old Testament. And then you think about the Ten Commandments. The first half of the Ten Commandments result are about our relationship with God and our love for God. The other half are about our relationship with others and our love for others. So, so Jesus hears this guy's response. Jesus knew this is how this guy would respond. He says, wow, man, you have a great knowledge of the Bible. But what Jesus said next stopped him dead in his tracks. Because you know what he said next? Great answer. Now go do it. Go do it. Love God perfectly. Love your neighbor perfectly. And then you'll go to heaven. Perfectly love God. Every hour, every second of every day. Perfectly love your neighbor every hour, every second, every day, every month without fail. Do that perfectly. Every time, never get it wrong. 100% perfect from the day you were born. And if you do that right, you get to go to heaven. Is that good news for anybody? That's terrible news. Jesus is trying to point something out to this guy. Jesus is trying to help this guy see like, man, you know this stuff and you think you're saved because you know this stuff. But really, you've never done any of this stuff because you can't. You're a sinner by nature and by choice. You have fallen because of the sin of Adam. You've inherited sin and you sin on the daily because of by nature and by choice. Uh, if, if you could do this, Awesome. Go do it and you will live. Well, the guy is starting to feel like, oh man, Jesus is coming at me pretty hard. My friends are around, so let me defend myself. And so the guy says to Jesus, he says, uh, seeking to justify himself, we read. The guy says, who is my neighbor? There it is. Seeking to justify himself, the man says, who is my neighbor? Now, I mentioned earlier that my daughter, she, she loves to use her brain, right? 
She's always been a very smart girl. She's smart. And, and, and in fact, she's so smart that the kids in her class are always lobbying to sit next to her so they could get the answers from her. Okay, so that's Blake. And so Blake is complaining on occasion because she's like, man, people are, keep trying to copy my homework. And, uh, and when I do homework with Blake, here's the thing. If, if you copy somebody's answers, does that mean you really know the answer? No, you gotta, you got to know how to get to the answer, right? you got to be able to do the work to get there. And so when Blake does homework with me, like last week, she had to underline the adjectives and circle the nouns. And so we're going through this, and I could do that for her, so underline adjectives, circle a noun. But if I just do it for her, she's not going to understand it. So i got to explain to her what an adjective is. i got to explain to her what a noun is so that she can find it on her own, so that she could do the work on her own. Well, Jesus is saying to this lawyer, Knowing the answer isn't enough. Show me that you know the answer. The problem, though, with the lawyer is that this lawyer and his group of friends, the only time they loved somebody is if that person looked like them. The only time they went out of their way for somebody is if that person fit a certain mold. They only loved people like themselves. John MacArthur says this, commenting on the passage, he says, the prevailing opinion among scribes and lawyers and Pharisees was that one's neighbors were the righteous alone. According to them, the wicked, including rank sinners, such as tax collectors and prostitutes, Gentiles, and especially Samaritans, were to be hated because they were enemies of God. When this man is saying, Who is my neighbor? He's trying to justify the fact that he has neighbors and people that he calls non-neighbors, okay? A non-neighbor in this this guy's mind is in anybody from a group that isn't his. If it's not his ethnicity, it's not his neighbor. If it's not his political party, religious party, it's not his neighbor. If it doesn't fit a certain mold, it's not his neighbor. He was a hypocrite. Which leads to point number two. Hypocrites only love when it's convenient. Do you guys know that? Hypocrites only love when it's convenient. So Jesus goes on, and now he tells a parable. He's in this debate, and he wants to give a parable to illustrate what he's saying to this man. And so here it is. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, where am I on here? Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So Jesus gives this parable. And the parable starts by describing this road, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, a road that everybody in ancient times was familiar with. It was a rocky road, a winding road, a treacherous road. It was a a, a descent of about 3,300 feet. It was about 17 miles long, and it was notorious for being beset with thieves and danger. Okay, when you traveled this road, you had to have your eyes out, eyes open, People watching your back at all times because it was known for having robbers. Actually, in the Old Testament, this road was called Pass of Adummim, which means blood pass. Okay, people were often robbed, murdered, left for dead on this road. Well, in Jesus' story, an ancient traveler, we read, fell among robbers. 
He's traveling this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's, he falls among robbers. They pounce on the man, and they don't just rob this man. They strip him, they beat him, they take everything he has, including the clothes on his back, and they leave him half dead. Okay, this is a dramatic story. When we read it, it's easy to pass over it really quickly, but this is a dramatic story. The, the verb, they beat him, is a, is a constant verb. It means they continued to beat him and beat him and beat him until he was on the verge of death. We're talking about a man in critical condition. A man who is beaten, everything's taken from him, he's left on the side of the road, he's in critical condition, and if he doesn't get help fast, he will die. That's the story. Well, lucky for this man, two people were traveling down that same road. Godly guys. The first was a priest. Now, if you know anything about the priests, the priests, they served in the temple They were uh, descendants of Aaron. They were the cream of the crop of religious society. Everybody looked up to the priests. These are the godly guys who perform the rituals and sacrifices in the temple. This is the guy, if you are stuck on the side of the road, dying, unconscious, this is the guy you want walking by you, or so the lawyer thought. But the priest, walking down the road, seeing the man lying there in a pool of blood, passes by on the other side. He uses a really strong Greek term, anti-parachome. It means to pass by, neglect, disregard. It's a very strong term. It's not used very often in the, in the, in the New Testament. It's a very strong term, meaning he didn't, just, he didn't just like barely go around. He went as far around this person as he possibly could. He wanted nothing to do with this man. He had things to do. People to see, places to be. Well, this man's still pretty fortunate. Because after the, the priest came by, a Levite came by. And Levites, are, uh, they're a special tribe who assists the priests in temple worship. They serve daily in the presence of God. The Levites were guys also that you'd look up to. You'd see them when you brought your family for worship, when you sacrificed, when you visited the temple. You would see Levites serving in the temple. They were, they were selected by God, hand-chosen by God to do this special work for God. And so this Levite, lucky for this guy, dying in this pool of blood, lucky for him. Okay, the priest, he's got better stuff to do. He's got, he's got to be places. But the Levite, there's lots of those guys. So the Levite's coming by. And what does the Levite do? Anti-parachome. I think that's how you say it. That's a, that's a long Greek word. That's a hard one for me. Okay. What does he do? Passes by. Not just passes by, completely neglects, completely disregards the man. The lawyers, the Pharisees, everybody listening to this story would have been a little shocked at this point. And the reason why is because These men knew what God's word said. The priest knew God's laws for loving the stranger, for loving your neighbor, but he just threw him out the window. The Levite would have taught his family about caring for the stranger, knowing the word of God, but they knew the word of God. They just didn't live the word of God. They talked a lot about God. They just didn't actually obey God. This scene shows not just a complete lack of love for your neighbor, but a complete lack of love for God. When we disobey God, it's because we don't actually love God. We don't actually trust God. 
And so these men, they didn't just fail to love their neighbor, they failed to love God, and they only loved when it was convenient for them because hypocrites only love when it's convenient. They're brilliant at justifying their lack of love. Do I really have time for this? I've got really important things to do, really important places to be. Do I really have time to slow down and help out this person? But wait a second, wait a second. I could tell by how they're dressing. This is not a person like me. Uh, Maybe somebody who understands them should help them. Or, Or you know what? Before I help them, I need to know, who did they vote for? Are they vaccinated? Are they wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? I only help people who meet certain qualifications. Okay, that's where many of us live our lives. You see, Jesus' story is actually supposed to be a punch in the gut. That's what this story is. It's actually not a warm and fuzzy and an exciting story for us to be like, hoorah, let's go help people. It's supposed to be like, oh my gosh, I'm the Levite. I'm the priest. And, and I had a chance, I was debating because I was going to tell you guys this. I had a chance to wrestle through this this morning. I'm driving down the 198 and I could see like 30 feet in front of me. And all of you guys drive like 70 because you're used to it. I'm cruising and I see a guy walking down the 198. In the, in the fog. And so I'm wrestling through this passage. And I'm like, I drive past the guy. I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? He's going to get hit by a car. And I'm driving past him. And, then I, and I have like four miles to Lamore Avenue. And I start praying. God, I know this is kind of weird. But is this, is this, do I need to go back and talk to this guy? So I'm praying and I'm praying. And I'm not saying that you guys should do this. I'm not suggesting this to anybody. But right as I get to Lamore Avenue, it's like, God's like, you need to turn around. So I turn around. I go down the street. I text the crew. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going to be late. Marcus, you better be ready to preach. (laughs) I pull up in front of the guy. He pulls up, walks to my car. And I ask the guy, like, hey, man, you you need a ride to the next exit? Like, I'm thinking to myself, I got somewhere to be people to see, things to do. I don't have my microphone. I haven't talked to the worship crew. I, I might not even be able to preach if I help this guy. But how many people have I passed already in my life? How many people have I already ignored? Sometimes it's time to just slow down. We, we, this story is so convicting because Jesus is really the only one who fulfills it perfectly. But if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can actually start to live up to what Jesus calls you to. So I pull over. I ask the guy if he wants a ride. He says, yeah, I need a ride to Bush Street. I'm like, perfect. I'm not going to be late. He hops in my car. I get to know him. His name's Michael. I drive by the church. Michael, this is South Valley. Come to the church. I hope, Michael, you might be here today. I hope you're here with us this morning. I drop him off at 7-Eleven. I get to pray for him. I come to church, and I'm only 10 minutes late. All right? So that was my story this morning. But this story, when we read it, it's easy for us to read it and be like, I would never do what the priest did. I would never do what the Levite did. 
But Jesus is sharing this story because you know what? You've done it over and over and over and over and over again. It's supposed to punch us in the gut. Because it's supposed to make us say, Jesus, forgive me. It's supposed to help us see that we cannot fulfill the law. Love God perfectly all the time, every time. Love your neighbor perfectly all the time, every time. Jesus came. If we could do that, if we could nail it every single time, then Jesus didn't need to come. Jesus was only there talking to that lawyer that day because nobody has ever perfectly loved God and loved their neighbor. So Jesus came to do it for us. Can I get an amen? He came to do it for us. So what does perfect love look like? He goes on to talk about the Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy, I suppose. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The third character in this story is kind of a surprising character. It's a Samaritan. We've talked about Samaritans here. If you haven't listened to my sermon on the good Samaritan or the, uh, the Samaritan woman, please go check it out online. We've talked about Samaritans. And what we know is that Jews hated Samaritans, especially lawyers. These people were seen as evil because they intermarried with Gentiles during the northern invasion. They eventually set up their own temple, had their own worship system. They, they worshiped on Mount Gerizim. The Jews actually hated them so much, they went and tore down that temple in about 130 B.C. Jews called these people half-breeds. They were mudbloods. They were traitors to the Jewish nation. Okay, so if you wanted to insult somebody in Jesus' day, you know what you would call them? You would call them a Samaritan. That was an insult. Actually, that's how people insulted Jesus. Listen to this, John 8. You Samaritan devil is what they called Jesus. You Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? That was the worst thing they could call Jesus. A Samaritan devil. But this leads to point number three, and it's this. Hypocrites demonize those they disagree with. Hypocrites demonize the groups, the people, the categories in society that they disagree with. Okay, this was the the original cancel culture. This was the original cancel culture. If you disagree with me, then you're less than human. If I don't like you, then I'm going to censor you and silence you and label you with something ugly, take away your job, push you to the outskirts of society, gaslight and shame you. This is where all of that stuff originated. We're seeing it in new ways in culture today, and a lot of that's actually coming at Christians now today who are being pushed to the outskirts. But this was originally, this was cancel culture. 
They wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans, a Samaritan devil. But the Samaritan devil did what the priest and the Levite should have done. He didn't just help the man in critical condition. He showed lavish love. We read that the Samaritan put him on his animal, likely a donkey, took him to an end, stayed at his side all night until the morning, dressing his wounds, feeding him, giving him water, making sure this man was going to survive the night. Then the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. And, and, and what we know is that inns in those days actually costed one thirty-second of a, of a denarii. One thirty-second. So this guy gave the innkeeper two months' worth of rent for this man on the road to finally heal up and get back to, to his life again. Two months of rent. And so what we learn in this story is that when the Bible says, love your neighbor, neighbor as yourself, you know what it's talking about? Lavish love. Lavish love. It's not talking about just saying nice things. It's talking about unconditional, unbiased, sacrificial, out of your way, uncomfortable, even when you're late, even when it's hard, even when you don't like the person. Lavish love. Jesus' story cuts even deeper. Now, if you're feeling like, wow, I come up way short of that, it's okay. We all do. Jesus still calls us. The bar has been set. The bar has been set. But Jesus is sharing this story for two reasons. One, he wants us to see we are way below what he actually desires of our lives. Way. We've missed the mark. When, when, we, when the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it means it. We all have. We've fallen short. And so our first response in a story like this, our first response when we talk about Jesus should be, Jesus, forgive me. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I've made everything about me. Forgive me. That should have been the response of the lawyer. That should be our response. And and if we get to that point of actually saying, Jesus, forgive me, he's going to forgive you, and then he's going to teach you how to do this lavish love. And you're not going to get it right every time, but he's going to show you how to slow down, how to love, how to see the person hurting and meet those questions. The only person who loves like this, the Samaritan, the only person who loves like the Samaritan is Jesus himself. This story, one thing that I realized this week, that this story isn't actually just a go-do-good-to-other story. It's actually a salvation story. Because the context of the parable is a question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you know what you must do to inherit eternal life? Call upon the name of Jesus. That's it. I don't know what Michael was carrying in his heart today. I don't know what you're carrying in your heart today. But if you want salvation, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is repent. It's not a popular word in our culture today. No one likes to admit they were wrong. 
No one likes to have to change up their lifestyle. No one likes to turn from one direction into another. Jesus invites you to do it. Jesus says, if you do it, if you believe, if you repent, you will live. And I'll teach you how to love. I'll teach you how to love me. I'll teach you how to love your family. I'll teach you how to love the strangers. I'll teach you how to love your enemy. I'll teach you how to love. But first, you must believe. Today's story is hopefully an encouragement to you to lean into your relationship with the Lord. The sad thing about this story is that there's no indication that the lawyer believed. There's no indication that the lawyer repented. He was standing in front of the only one who could save him. He was standing the person who could set him free from selfishness and hypocrisy, but he remained silent. And that's because parables, they either soften your heart or they harden your heart. And that's what's going to happen in every sermon in this series. Well, the Good Samaritan is a story designed to make us run to Jesus. If you really understand the parable in your heart, then I want to give you guys three quick ways to apply this sermon this week. The first is this. Make time for God. If you want to begin to love God, love your neighbor, live your faith, then the first step in that direction is to make time for God. Keep memorizing those verses, church. Don't stop. One of the reasons we challenge you to memorize scripture is so that you can make time for God. We can make time for God. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the word. Spend time memorizing. We are only two weeks into this scripture memory thing. I think we can all do it. I think everybody could stand on this stage and say these verses week after week. I know it's scary, but there's good news. Hey, when you're up here, it's so bright you can't see anybody. Memorize with us. This is not a cliche thing. We are doing this because we want to make time for God. Press in close to Jesus. Make time for God. The second way you can apply this is make time for others. My challenge to you this week, slow down your life by one mile per hour. Slow down your life by one mile per hour and see what God puts in your path. See who God puts in your path. If you're a high schooler in here, a junior higher, a student, pay attention at your school quad. Pay attention out on the school field. See the people around you. Slow down. Don't just run straight to the monkey bars. Pay attention. Look at, is there anybody out there who would just love a hello from you? Is there anybody out there who would just love a, hey man, you want to come eat at my table? And, and adults, you could do the same thing. I know you're not on monkey bars at work unless you're at CrossFit Lemoore, but when you're at work, slow down and see the person who's struggling. Slow down and see the person who needs encouragement. Slow down and look at people in the eye. Slow down your life one mile an hour this week. Do something nice, say something nice, demonstrate lavish love, and finally, make time for accountability. Here's where we really blow it. Jesus set the bar way up here. Love God perfectly, love your neighbor perfectly. And then we leave and we're like, I'm going to go for it. But here's the thing. You cannot climb Mount Everest alone. You can't. You need people alongside you. 
You need people to hear you, people who love you, people who know you. And I know this is a crazy hard time with COVID. People don't want to get sick. There are lots of different ways you can connect with people. We are trying to make space for accountability. One way we're doing that is through our membership class. That's not just so that we can say we have more members here. That's so that we could bring people into discipleship, into accountability. We're launching small groups. That's not just so that we can say we got Bible studies everywhere. That's so that you have people around you, loving you, hearing you, alongside you. Sign up to lead a small group, to to join a small group. We have men's breakfast coming up. We have a a women's event we're going to promote here coming up. Make time for accountability. Jesus loves you. Jesus hears you. Jesus says, if you believe, I will teach you to love. Let's love and live like him this week. Can I get an amen? I'm going to pray and we'll close out. Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this church. I pray, God, that if there's anyone here today who needs salvation, who's realized that they, they, they can't fulfill the law, um, I pray that they would come to you, Lord. The law shows us how far we fall short. I pray that they would believe. I pray that if we need accountability, whatever we need, scripture memory, that we would be taking steps in our faith to live in love like you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. God bless church. Have a safe and amazing Sunday. Safe drive home. If you need prayer, we're here available to pray with you. Check us out on Instagram, social media for the next memory verse. See you guys next Sunday.